The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Eamon, thank you very much. You're listening to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy coming to you live today from the Dumbrody Visitor Centre, looking over at the beautiful Barrow. The sun is shining. The tide is on the way in as well. It turned about two hours ago, which means actually perfect swimming weather on the beaches of the sunny southeast just as we come off air at 7 o'clock. Now that's not why we are here. We are here uh, in New Ross, County Wexford, uh, still Wexford, not Wicklow Wexford. Uh, We might talk about that to Verona Murphy a little bit later, but we are here in County Wexford uh, for the Kennedy Summer School, which for people who don't know, it is happening today, tomorrow and Saturday here in New Ross, in and around New Ross. An absolutely brilliant lineup uh, of the best and the brightest from politics and culture and media on both sides uh, of the water and a little bit further afield uh, as well. And we are going to have some of those bright lights on the show uh, between now and seven over the next three hours. So an awful lot to uh, look forward uh, to uh, with me in studio to discuss uh, Larry Donnelly, who is one of the directors of the Kennedy Summer School. He's a law lecturer at the University of Galway as well. And Eileen Dunn, a former RTE broadcaster and another director of the Kennedy Summer School. Folks, you're very, very welcome. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks for joining us uh, uh, here in the Visitor Centre. Um, Larry, for people who aren't aware uh, of the Summer School, I mean, what, what is it? What's the sales pitch? It's an annual festival of Irish and American culture, history, and politics. Uh, And sometimes people ask us what the theme of the summer school every year is, and I say that is the theme. It is a broad umbrella. We try to take in lots of different things. So as you mentioned, uh, you know, we could have sports panels, politics panels, just about anything under that that fits under that umbrella. And what we always say is uh, there's something there for everyone. So we appeal to lots of different audiences, or at least uh, we hope we do. And I think this year uh, is no different you know, if people want to have a look at the program, kennedysummerschool.ie, there's lots there. And is that is that a reflection of the broad overlap culturally that exists between here and the United States? I think it is. I think it is. I think, you know, again, and one of the things we try to do in the summer school is, uh, you know, we're, we're all about sustaining and celebrating uh, the relationship between Ireland and the United States. So a lot of the different uh, sessions will be focused uh, in on that. Obviously, the relationship is strong. Uh, it's sacred. But there are challenges, and some of the sessions will address those challenges, uh, you know, both here uh, and in the United States. So, yeah, it's a, it's a celebration, but it's also meant to sustain things, sustain what we think is really, really important. Uh, and... Uh- uh, Eileen, kind of, we are here in the heart of kind of JFK territory or Kennedy territory in Ireland. The homestead is not too far uh, down the road, a few kilometres, kind of, uh, as you're heading towards kind of Arthurstown, Campylite, that direction. Um, the Arboretum as well, named for JFK. I know uh, Larry's better half is hard at work up there as well at an event that's underway. I mean, why do you suspect... Uh, the Kennedys are not the only kind of political family or dynasty with with Irish connections. Why the fascination, do you suspect? I don't really know. And I mean, I think it's harder for younger people who weren't, we were just having that discussion last night, people who weren't born when it happened in the 60s or who didn't grow up with it. But I think... They were, it was just such big news here when that man was elected in, and, and even we were talking about the footage of it's 60 years ago since he came to New Ross this year but his brother Ted had come the previous year and there's footage of him walking down the main street he's like the Pied Piper of Hamlin <laughs> with all the kids trailing out behind him tall, big tall absolutely very handsome man and he apparently went back and said you've got to get over there these people are serious they're claiming you they want to know all about you they want you over there and I think it was the notion of you know the Irish guy the, the Irish boy done good over in America Catholic actually to become president and what was 
he wore it on his sleeve, Larry. Is that, was that the difference maybe compared to some who had come before him? It was more an intrinsic part of his identity. Uh, I think so. I, I think he was, you know, an Irish Catholic president of the United States. You know, we had lots of presidents of the United States before who were of Irish descent from a different tradition. However, he was the first Irish Catholic president. I think that's one of the reasons why his visit here was so symbolic and resonated so deeply uh, with people. The other thing I think that the continued fascination, uh, I think, is very much intertwined with the amount of tragedy um, that the family has endured over the years. We know President Kennedy was a Assassinated. His brother Bobby was assassinated. The family still has had lots of struggles and turmoil uh, over the years, but they persist. Uh, and in many ways, they you know they are the closest thing in the United States, even though they have a lot of detractors. But they are the closest thing in the United States that we've had to a royal family. Uh, and I think that that still appeals very much to people on this side. Of the and world. is that it, like the Camelot thing? Like that's still a thing in the United States, is it? It is and it isn't. I mean, if you want to talk raw politics, I mean, there is no Kennedy now uh, in prominent elected office. It's hard for me to see uh, a comeback on the horizon, even for young Joe Kennedy, who has served in Congress and ran unsuccessfully for the Senate in, the, uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, you know, who knows, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it still is alive. That grandeur is still alive. The stories uh, of the Kennedys uh, are still there. I mean, I think it was an epic moment in American history, uh, a sad moment when, when President Kennedy was killed. And also, uh, I think a lot of people in today, as they look at the atmosphere in American politics, uh, I think a lot of them listen to the words of President Kennedy and they say, God, I wish we had that back. Was he a fascination for you, Eileen, growing up? He was a fascination in our house. So my father was very big into American politics, so he would have been a big fan. And then my mother was a fan of Jackie, and then Caroline's just a few months older than me. So we grew up with them. We had the royals in Monaco on one side, because they got married the same year as my parents. And they're Caroline. And we had the Kennedys on the other. So, yeah, we grew up with it. And, I mean... The the fascination then, I mean, do you suspect, and you've already kind of touched on this, that it, that it, it has begun to fade maybe for younger generations, uh, but not entirely? Not entirely, no. I mean, I think what he brought to, we were just beginning to open up. Now, we'll be looking at this, we're 50 years in the EU this year as well, and that's part of our discussions this weekend. We have Commissioner McGuinness tomorrow. And she'll be looking at Ireland, our European and American relations. But he came here and we we were beginning to open up and start negotiations to join the EU. And he was encouraging that and encouraging Ireland to get out there too and take your place among the nations, basically. Mm. So there was all of that, all of that stuff building up. So when we look back on our history... That's where we look back to, that in the 60s we started to broaden out. Yeah, not just us. Like, he, he was probably lucky in that sense, Larry, as well. That I, Right, when he was assassinated, maybe it was only the beginning of this period of change. But he's still synonymous with that maybe decade of, of, of global change in a cultural sense. Yeah, you know, sixty-seven maybe the kind of the, the zenith of it, but still he's we still think of him in that sense. Yeah, we we think of him. And we we think I suppose of a decade in American history, a decade of upheaval, a decade of uh, the Vietnam War, a decade of societal unrest, uh, and all sorts of things. I suppose the effects and consequences of which are still being felt to this day. And, and again, that's part of. Uh, I suppose what we look back and part of perhaps the romanticism is if we look back at the Kennedy presidency, uh, a lot of people wonder what if that horrible event hadn't happened in Dallas in 1963? What if he had served a full term? What if he had served a second term? What implications might that have had for the United States and indeed uh, for world history? What do you think? 
I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a damn good question. Uh, I tend to think uh, it probably wouldn't have altered things all that much. I think partly because the American presidency, uh, even though you know we've seen uh, attempts to exploit the power of it, is deliberately a, quite a weak institution. Uh, so I'm not so sure it would have changed the course of history. Do I like to think uh, it might have led to better developments? I do. I like to think that. Uh, and I think the, the fact that a lot of people like to think that and they look back to what President Kennedy said, I think that's, again, that's part of the romanticism that's still there. Eileen, do you still have a fascination with US politics today to the same extent your dad had maybe when you uh, were a yeah, kid? I, well, that's why am I here. You know? Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I came down here as a punter first a couple of years ago and then they kind of said to me, if you come back next year, we'll give you a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And here I am. So, a yellow vest. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were, there were a few of us sitting around last night and we were just discussing all of this and, uh, and with Martin O'Neill, who's at one of our guests tonight, and... Um, we were just, like it's just so different to the way our system operates, hmm. and I think it's quite sad to see what's happening at the moment. I mean, the country is just so polarized, um, in a way that you just could never imagine it being like that here. Yeah, and Larry, that polarization—I'm always fascinated to what degree that that exists on the street. Or does it just exist in U.S. politics? Or, to, or, or it obviously exists, but, but to what degree does the level of polarization in Washington reflect polarization in society? Uh, I think the polarization exists, but I think that the polarization narrative is probably taken a little bit too far. Uh, I think for the majority of Americans, they have friends and relations uh, of all different political per- persuasions. That doesn't mean they stop loving them or stop being their friend. They just disagree quite passionately. Now, of course... There are extremes. There's no doubt about that. But what I think the big problem in American politics, first of all, the root of all the evil, to my way of thinking, is money. But um, what's happened in recent years is the middle has been hollowed out, and both parties have moved to the extremes. uh, And there's precious little room left for maneuver in the middle. And the reality is the American people themselves haven't changed that much. If you look at the opinion polling, they're still on the middle of the big divisive issues that are out there. But the politicians don't reflect that. And then we come to the reality that in a country of 330 million people, diverse in every way, we have two parties. So you have two choices to make on the ballot paper. So that calcification occurs, even though most Americans mm. at this stage are voting for what they see as the lesser of two evils. Yeah, but wh- why, why is there not? Why is the centre dead? You know what I mean? If, if, there's, if there's a gap in the market, why isn't there a market in the gap? Because uh, here's where the role of money comes in and the role of the political primary system. Uh, The reality is there is very little money uh, in nuance. There is very little money in moderation. Special interest groups pull candidates to the far right and to the far left. uh, And that money is necessary in order to run uh, a political campaign uh, in the United States because of the rather, in my view, obscene decisions of the Supreme Court, etc. So So that's how it happens. So so you can identify that, listen, there's a, a whole cohort, a whole constituency of centrist voters out there that I want to tap into, but you can't reach them without kind of the prism of, of special interest. Absolutely. And that special interest doesn't want you to represent the center. And it's only gotten worse in recent years because the maxim used to be, you, you know, for a Democrat, you run left in the primary, then you move to the middle. For a Republican, you, move, you run right in the primary and you move to the middle. That's happening less and less, again, because uh, of the grip 
uh, of the special interests in the process. And again, the reality is Ameri- those Americans in the middle, they're making that kind of who's the lesser of two evils choice. And, you know, for most Americans, you know, they look at Joe Biden, they look at Donald Trump, and two-thirds of them wish that neither of them were running for re-election again. So again, it illustrates the systemic problems that exist in American politics. And Eileen, as well as being a director, you do have a job to do. So uh, you, you, you're hosting an event tonight, is that right? Um, yes, I'm uh, the uh, Canadian ambassador. Uh, Nancy Smythe is opening the school officially this evening in, in St. Michael's Theatre, and then she'll sit down for what the Americans call the fireside chat. <laughs> well, listen, like I say, it's an absolutely brilliant lineup. Um, and uh, if people go online, uh, if they want to see if there's anything they can still drop into, there may be availability uh, left. If they just have a Google, uh, uh, the uh, website, if you just look up Kennedy Summer School, you'll find all the details They're on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else. Uh, Eileen, you know I have to do this now before we go, but the great <laughs> story that sustain Trump will sustain us for the next, uh, what is it, kind of 14 months. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but the great story that sustained us all summer was uh, your old uh, stomping ground uh, in RTE. I mean, were you relieved looking from it from afar that at least you weren't in the position of having to report on this day Yeah, day I was out? actually, because I was, I was feeling for my colleagues who did, and I can understand how angry they all were. Um, I, I think I've been consistent. I've been saying there are a lot of good people in RTE. Ryan is one of them, and Kevin Backhurst is another. And I think now, I think, I mean, I think people are a little bit tired of it, let's say. Just let the processes take their course. The, the committees are going to come back. There are reports still to be produced. And let's see where it lands. Yeah. And Ryan is too talented to disappear for too oh, long, I suspect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, listen, uh, uh, best of luck this evening, Thank Eileen. You. And uh, Larry, thanks a million as well uh, for joining us here. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.